0: Welcome back to Kings of Columbus, Doug LaMaurice and Bill Landis talking about everything Ohio State. That means a little bit of basketball, but only the stuff that people think is interesting about Ohio State men's basketball, which is the F word. So we are going to talk about Chris Holtman's future. That's not the F word we're talking about. At Ohio State, the collapse of the men's basketball program, what you guys think of that, what we think of it. We will bring some names to the party because our tech subscribers asked us for that and this primarily is a tech subscriber edition of kings of columbus we did this last week we got so many questions and comments last week that i had some left over so we're running it back and we are talking a lot about football we're talking about um the culture at ohio state football we're talking about what movie you should watch in a flight to hawaii is jim harbaugh giving a middle finger to the michigan football program who the captains might be next year um, what the, do we know? The starting twenty-two for Ohio State right now in our heads. Who's going to win the national championship? All kinds of things about Ohio State football. But we're going to start by talking about what Ryan Day talked about with us, Landis, on Tuesday. More, excuse me, Wednesday morning. We had Ryan Day for more than an hour. Uh, it's a lot of talking for that day. Mm-hmm. Really. And there are times it's like, man, what? Like, who is putting up with that? So tip of the cap to Ohio State. Thanks for the access. It's great for the fans when there are so many of us and we all get to ask questions of Ryan Day. It was the late national signing day. Once upon a time, the first Wednesday in February was practically a holiday in college football. Now it's nothing. Now it's Arbor Day. It used to be the 4th of July and Christmas rolled into one for people who loved recruiting now that day is in december so they signed dom kirks officially right like the mm-hmm. the, the, the defensive lineman from northeast ohio i think they're long snapper is it, is it a preferred walk-on long snapper or see a scholarship long snapper i think he's signed do you know
1: i think he's a pwo yeah yeah
0: so you know not that those guys don't matter but it's not what it once was but we still it was enough reason to talk about with Ryan Day, everything that has happened, you and Austin and Berm did talk about this on a Snap Judgments, Bill. You and I all cover some of the same ground, some of the different ground. The main thing is Bill O'Brien, by the time you watch this, listen to this, could be the head coach at, head coach at Boston College. And so that Ryan Day was asked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Certainly seems like it could happen. But he was also asked a lot about like giving up play calling. And my opinion on the situation is, would it be ideal to lose your first choice as your new offensive coordinator after less than a month? No. But I care far less about who is taking over play calling duties from Ryan Day as long as they are an experienced person who has done it before. I I care far less about the who than I care about the what, which is the dude is giving it up. Yeah. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, with with the caveat that as long as the person he hires um, has experience and doesn't have to be the same experience as Bill O'Brien and Ryan Day talked about contingency plans, like kind of for everything, but, but specifically for this. And there were people that were talked to during the process of identifying Bill O'Brien that could come back in the play. Um, perhaps some some new names um there is a little bit of time i think like they start spring practice in what four weeks but I've, I've also not really gotten the impression that bill o'brien has been like real like nitty-gritty with like figuring out the offense just yet like i don't think there's been a lot of meetings with players there's been some staff meetings um but but nothing that like can't couldn't be overcome i think uh, by a new hire rather quickly so i'm not, I'm not worried about that either um it's more about the 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 what and the why for, for Ryan Day. um, Like what it's going to look like and why he's decided to step back now. And it's a process that I think he's been mulling over for more than a year now, right? Like he, he was clearly thinking about this last year when they promoted Brian Hartline and he was at least entertaining questions about potentially giving up play calling. He obviously didn't do that. But I thought it was interesting to hear him say, Doug, like that, that during the course of the season, he kind of felt like he was trying to do too much. Like it was, it was he, he knew that the job of a head coach was changing and has changed um you know, uh, significantly since he became a head coach in 2019. But then they hear him say like as he went through last year, like I, I don't know. I guess this had something to do with the offense not quite not being as good as, as we're accustomed to seeing. Um, that he felt like he was just trying to do too much and that and that pushed him to this point now where he decided this was the offseason where he was really going to give that up.
0: In his dreams, is he Kyle Shanahan? Like when Ryan Day dreams, yeah. and then you're somebody like-
1: Yeah, that it's you, Kyle Shanahan, he's Matt LaFleur, he's, yeah.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he's kind of mentioned this, the idea of like, in the NFL, so he was saying, he was kind of asked about, hey, which is what I sort of was- I've thought about a lot in the past, which is you're so busy on the sideline, your head's buried in the play sheet. Are you aware of everything that's going on around you? You're trying not only to make a decision about if you should go on fourth down, but what play you're going to call. And he kind of made the point of like, he thinks actually that can help you. Because as you're making the decision, should we go on fourth and two? When you're in complete control of the game as the play caller, you're also thinking, well, my decision to go on fourth and two is partly based on what play do i have that i think is going to work based on the defenses they've been using against us in this game mm-hmm. so that wasn't his main his main thing and he was sort of saying like hey like you know there's a lot of guys and he mentioned the nfl that do that the main thing is like nil portal running the ceo part of a college football program that's the stuff that's impossible so i think is is his official opinion in the end nfl coaches still can be play callers College football head coaches no longer can be.
1: Yeah, I think so, which which I agree with. It's 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 totally different dynamic. NFL rosters are half the size of college rosters. And I also think like I don't think it matters all that much if Kyle Shanahan is like super tight with Fred Warner, but I do think it matters that like Cody Simon feels like he has a head coach in Ryan Day who has his back and like he yes. that he can go to, right? Like and that's that's the difference in the dynamic between college and, and the NFL. And you know, I think there was a time in college where that was easier, and even like even possible. Um, but now I just like I, I it feels like too kind of fine of a of a needle to thread there. Like there's just so much on a head coach's plate, and more coming. Like and and part of it too is like. I think Ryan Day as the head coach of Ohio State is going to have like some voice in helping shape the future of the sport, too. Like I think he needs to make himself available for that as these conversations between like the Big Ten and the SEC get rolling about what college football is going to look like. So it's not even his responsibilities to Ohio State. It's on some level like his responsibilities to college football, I think, are pulling him away from that, too. To the world! Yeah, to the world. Right.
0: Everybody couches it as they love Ohio against the world. Ohio <clears throat> versus the world. What about when it's Ohio for the world? Right. What about when the world needs a little help? And Ohio is there for the world, right? That happens sometimes too. Uh, yeah, Roger Goodell not asking Kyle Shanahan what he thinks about like the future of the NFL. Right. So, um, so on a scale of one to a thousand, a, th- a thousand is Bill O'Brien leaving is disastrous. One is eh, like, it literally doesn't matter. They'll have another guy tomorrow whatever it might even be good what would you think bill o'brien leaving for boston college would be
1: uh like a uh, 384 oh no that's yeah. okay
0: yeah. yeah i don't i wouldn't put it above 500 yeah and so i think i think people should you know a, a lot of people have made this comparison when urban meyer first got here he hired bill, bill sheridan to be the uh cornerbacks coach. And he left in like a couple weeks to go to the NFL. And they were like, I guess we'll go to the second choice. And the second choice was Kerry Colts. So like Ryan day has been through this process. And I know other people have mentioned this. It's like, you know, there's some guys now who like didn't get jobs in the NFL. I was gonna, would this have been, I like joke questions sometimes, you know, I like joke questions sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes joke questions can help, uh can reveal something. Sometimes they can, lighten the mood and like like so i was gonna ask ryan day if he had considered bill belichick for the 10th assistant spot (laughs) would that have been ryan day have been in the mood
1: for that or no too much going on uh, no i think so i think in in the midst of an hour plus press conference where he kind of got asked the same version or different version of the same question like seven times yeah um i think he would have appreciated that also i think would have been a pretty good special teams hire bill belichick if you weren't yeah like it would have made sense
0: i mean the, the guy's got
1: i mean the guy just bleeds patriots red man like it, like he said he was obsessed with bill o'brien's offenses in new england that's a direct quote from ryan Day. But
0: like he's obsessed with Bill O'Brien's offense like while he's sitting on his couch wearing a Steve Grogan jersey yeah. and, <laughs> and a knit Patriot's cap with like the old guy bending over snapping the ball yeah. yelling go pats <laughs> right I mean like that's yeah. how he's obsessed um big uh, foam finger. <laughs> I want to see if that's what we want. That would be a good KOTN segment. Watching watching ball as a fan like Sundays with college football coaches. Yeah, like if they allow themselves, do you allow yourself like three hours to watch your favorite NFL team, and we're gonna go eat like uh we're gonna go eat New England clam chowder. On Ryan, Day's that'd be couch. fun. Go. Pass. I wonder if you
1: could. You think you could swing that during a bye week? Watching the pass with Ryan Day. I don't think it's impossible. I, I, gotta plan I would act- seed now though. Got to plan it now.
0: I would be super interested in a football weekend with Ryan Day, which is going to his son RJ's game with him on Friday night, then like whatever, being yeah. on the headset on Saturday and then watching the Pats on Sunday, Ryan yeah. Day's football weekend. Maybe we should do just make it a show. Do it every week. Every week. <laughs> Here's our idea. So uh so I do think I I agree with that. I just I think people need to know that. That like this wouldn't be ideal, but I don't. I think it is far from disastrous, and it's the I, There are people out there. There are, mm-hmm. A- and as qualified as Bill O'Brien, I, maybe not, but qualified, more qualified than anybody they had on staff last year. And again, that's not against anybody. They just don't have anybody on the staff currently who ever called plays. So no, someone who has called plays is eminently more qualified than someone who has never called place so like i there's yeah. guy like Eric, somebody was like eric the enemies out there like there's just there's guys all over the place there really are like you're at the yeah. end of the hiring cycle so maybe you won't get your first choice but now you also know who didn't get a job and who's around so i think it'll be okay
1: i think it'll be okay too and it'll be very funny for us anyway like i i i often think back and i think you've mentioned it a couple of times um about the conversation, the, the, the mini video that you and I and Ari did after the festival in 2016, where we talked about Ohio State hiring Chip Kelly. And it said they hired Ryan Day. And now it would be very funny if they ended up just hiring Chip Kelly in 2024. That,
0: I mean, everybody freaking out about this thing that, you know, college coaches don't want to deal with this stuff and they're leaving and there's not going to be anybody good left to coach college football. The Chip Kelly conversation, he's currently the head coach at UCLA, and, and the report was he was in the mix for NFL coordinator jobs. That sounded like a Jeff Halfley conversation. Man, just get me out of college. I want to go to the NFL. So I, like, I don't know if it would be appealing to him if he's just like, I just don't want to be in charge anymore. Lynn, like, I'm like, yes, if I'm the quarterback's coach and the play caller, I have to deal a little bit with NIL on the portal. But like, is that enough of getting away from like the big picture decisions that every college football coach has to make? Like, I don't know. Would I you think? Be, yeah, do you think it could happen. Would a Do you think it's feasible, Chip Kelly, Ohio State offensive coordinator, and B? Would you want
1: it to happen? I do think it's feasible. So as as we're recording this, there are reports that he is in the mix and like heavily in the mix for the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator job. If he doesn't get that, um. I do think it's feasible because I don't I don't know if the Chip Kelly stuff is so much I want to get away from college football. I think it's just I want to get away from UCLA, um, which like the relationship there between he and Martin Jarman and like the administrative support for Chip Kelly does not appear particularly strong. In fact, sometimes it feels non-existent to the point where they were like throwing out trial balloons about firing him last year. Um, so I think it's that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's feasible if he ends up not getting an NFL offensive coordinator job. Um, and I would like it. Like I, I think it'd be very similar to a Bill O'Brien hire. Like obviously, like Bill O'Brien has the Tom Brady thing, um, which no one else really can can sell. Um, but like Chip was in the NFL. Chip has been in the college. Like his offenses, I think, have been good for, by and large. Even when he was with the Eagles, like his undoing was not he didn't know how to coach in the NFL it was well, the undoing with a lot of college coaches that go to the NFL is like they gave him too much personnel control and he didn't know how to build an NFL roster. Um, so if he can come to Ohio state and call plays and coach quarterbacks and like only have to recruit a couple of guys every cycle and otherwise just kind of draw it up and call plays. Yeah. I think he could definitely do that at a high level at Ohio state.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't be afraid of that. I, I just think there are options. There are going to be options yeah. out there. The The thing that Ryan day brought up about maybe. So he, the 10th assistant spot, so O'Brien's like in the ninth spot right now. Like there's still an actual yeah. open spot from the firing of Parker Fleming. And Ryan Day said he thinks they'll have a decision made within the next week. But he's still deciding whether that might be a defensive coach, whether that might be a full time special teams coach. And one of the things that is a factor in that is he's considering how much he wants to be involved in special teams. And if he is the def- he could be. Like the de facto special teams coach, and then you wouldn't need a full time special teams coach, and other people could help out. Matt Guerrero, who's the new safeties coach, has been mentioned. Maybe he could help out on special teams. You know, there are plenty of places. Ohio State used to do it where you divide up the four special teams groups, and there's a position coach who's in charge of each one, Mm -hmm. right? So punt, punt, return, kick, 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 return, and like you're good to go. But Often in those situations, I think Urban Meyer would have qualified for that de facto special teams coach. Greg Ciano, I think, is that way as a head coach. Like it was a big thing when John Harbaugh got hired by the Baltimore Ravens. He had been a special teams coach in the NFL. People like that. I love the idea of Ryan Day being the de facto special teams coach for Ohio State. A, I think it serves growth as a coach because offense is fun, mm-hmm. special teams is. You know, it's a little bit more of a grind. Now you get, to, you get to pick when you do the fakes, but there's not as much. If I was a special teams coach, I would fake it 36% of the time.
1: Yeah. Well, I I, I want to know what you think of it. Cause I, I said this on staff judgments. Cause I think Ohio state special teams, in, in, in addition to being just bad the last couple of years is like pretty unimaginative and not weaponized. I think the way that it could be, um, do you think it could be a little more interesting and fun if Ryan Day tries to, like, scratch his play caller itch by getting a little weird with the special team stuff?
0: And I do think when you have someone who's not qualified the, for the job like Parker Fleming was, then he's, like, he's just trying to get by. Mm. I'm not sure that he's, like, tugging on Ryan Day's shoulder being like, oh, "Here's a, here's time for a fake. Can we fake it now? Can yeah. we fake it now? He's just, like, trying to keep his head down and be like, dear God, please not another penalty. Right. So, like when Ryan Day, who could be more empowered on special teams than the head coach? But the main thing I like is you get your hands on everybody. So now you're talking with linemen, you're talking with receivers who are your gunners, you're talking with cornerbacks and safeties and linebackers who are your coverage guys. And you're really, they talk about it all the time at Ohio State. They talk about this way everywhere. Great players play special teams. It's a great place for young players to get on the field to show that you're going to be a player. And you build relationships like that. Mm-hmm. And you get your hands on everybody. And you're down in the dirt with a freshman linebacker. And you're telling Arvell Reese, I need you to do this. And you're talking to Austin Saraveld about what you need him to do blocking on, the, on this field goal. And like all that stuff, it just ingrains you. Ingrains you in a way that doesn't happen when you're coordinating or play calling on a single side of the ball. So I love it. I'd rather have the 10th spot be a defensive coach and then yeah. spread it out. And so I like it for that. I, if they just hire a full-time special teams coach, that's not what I would choose, but I love it for the program. And I love it for Ryan day, if he would be that involved.
1: So so do I. And I think just to piggyback off your point about the young guys, right? Like I, I think like when you're the offensive coordinator, which is effect- effectively what Ryan Day was in addition to being the head coach, like I don't know how much time you're working with the scout offense, right? Mm-hmm. Or working with the threes. Um, when you're doing the special team stuff, like you, like you said, you can talk to the Austin Cerevelds and the Arvel Reeses of the world. And if they feel like you're invested in them, then that gives you some percentage chance or an increased percentage chance of like keeping those guys around through the harder times of their career, right? So I think that's incredibly valuable um i agree with you i would my preference would not be to hire a full-time special teams coordinator i've said it a million times that they, they need to balance out their recruiting mm-hmm. efforts so they need another guy who can recruit for the defense i th- i think that ryan did, did say he's kind of like open to anything including like hiring a full-time special teams coordinator i think what he's actually caught in between on at the moment is i guess one promoting james or is to be the linebackers coach to maybe finding a different linebackers coach, although I don't really think that's it or, or trying to find a way to finesse a second defensive line coach to make the transition from Larry Johnson a little more palatable when it happens. Cause it seems like that's going to happen um, soon. So I, I think that's what he's deciding between at the moment. Um, and I don't, like of, of those options, maybe my, my preference might be the second defensive line coach thing because you still could have James Knight as coach linebackers as a GA, like you did last year, and Jim Knowles is still around to help coach that position too. So um, we'll see. We'll see what he does. But he did say that he's kind of leaving all options on the table at the moment.
0: And I don't. Uh, these are people's lives. I don't want to like give James's money away. Uh he made millions of dollars in the NFL. Like he, he's probably okay. And. Yeah like the idea of James and like he was asked specifically about James on Wednesday and had very high praise for James mm-hmm. Lornitus I don't think anybody doubts James Lornitus's ability uh as a full-time assistant coach at Ohio State but like that idea of if they could get a, a second defensive line coach in now to be the guy to take over for when Larry Johnson retires and then you have that transition ready and then and you tell James Lornitus when and then when Larry Johnson retires then you become a full-time assistant Yeah. Right. Like, like that's what you're setting up. Not to not to not give James Ornitis what he deserves, maybe. But like, there's a lot of planning that would go into that. And if one of the things that is has been it's certainly been discussed, maybe it's been discussed more than it's been an actual issue. But like recruiting on the defensive line and how much does the eventual retirement of Larry Johnson affect their defensive line recruiting, getting in a guy who's like, hey, like he's here now and he's going to be here. Right. Like love this guy too. Is very good strategy in 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 dealing with something that has popped up. So I like that. Yeah. You like that idea? It sounds like too.
1: I do like that idea, and like pro- there are other programs that have like Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State had two defensive line coaches. So like it's not yeah. an unheard of dynamic. Um, on this topic, quickly, I'm just curious your perspective on this. So like. Because part of the reason Ryan Day is making coaching changes this offseason is because he elevated guys who were in-house who weren't ready and probably weren't qualified for the jobs they had. And I'm not saying that James Arnitas has or is the same as a Parker Fleming or Corey Dennis. I think he carries more cachet than that. But part of me is like, if you don't think James Arnitas is ready to promote and you don't just want to give the job to the guy down the hallway because he's there, I'm okay with that. Like, that makes sense to me. Where, Where are you on that?
0: I think it is not in range of the Parker Fleming, Corey Dennis hires. So I am, hmm. I am, what am I? I am against nepotism and I'm against the guy down the hall when it feels like the number one quality on his resume is that he's this down the, the hall.
1: Down, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's when
0: fair. when the guy also has on his resume 10-year NFL player, worked at Notre Dame, three-time All-American at Ohio State, like those, and then he is also down the hall, but it's not the first thing. So, so I think James Laurinaitis, much like Brian Hartline, was not just the guy down the hall when he took over for Zach Smith, he was the guy down the hall, but he also, you know,
1: yeah, kind of yeah. knew
0: what was up. Um, I have much less of a problem with that. Is that fair?
1: I think that is fair. And I also think the position factors into it too. It's like the two guys were comparing it to like one was coaching the quarterbacks and the other was like, you know, empowered to run an entire phase of the game that he wasn't qualified to do. So yeah. like if, if it's, this is just coaching linebackers with Jim Knowles still there, like that's a different dynamic as well. Yeah, you tell James Laurinaitis that he's the guy down the hall. No, I don't. I don't. To, I don't mean it. To, I don't mean it. To, I don't mean it to come off that way because I would have no issue whatsoever with them hiring James Um and I would certainly rather have rather than promote James Laurinaitis than to have them hire a full time special teams coach. I guess my thought is just like if Ryan Day thinks that there is a better, more experienced linebackers sure. coach out there, then like that also makes sense to me. Yeah,
0: I, I do think there was a time like when Urban, you're like Urban Meyer. One of the urban Meyer years, I think every was it every assistant had an Ohio connection, and they like were really leaning into that. So one of those things again. I don't think when you have ten assistants, they don't all tend need to be from Ohio. They don't all tend to need to be former Buckeyes. But uh, like when you lost Luke Fickle, right? That you did lose some of that, and then I think maybe there was it was maybe a year between Fickle and Heartline getting hired full time where they had zero yes alums as assistants, and I thought that was not. That, to me, is not the ideal staff. So yeah. some mix. I like having, and again, high praise from Ryan Day for Tim Walton on Wednesday, and deservedly so. Tim Walton's killing it. And he was asked directly about Tim Walton and said every possible great thing he could say about Tim Walton, about how, how his great personality and his great technique that he teaches. But he did mention that he played at Ohio State, and that's the thing. And so, you know, it's not 10 out of 10 alums. It's not zero out of ten, but like I think Heartline Walton Laurinaitis—that's a pretty good mix of former Buckeyes on your staff to me.
1: Yeah, I think you need it. And I—I I, I remember when Luke Fickle left to go to Cincinnati, I wrote a story about that. Like it, it was—it okay. was the as far as I could tell, it was the first time ever that Ohio State had not had at least one former player on its coaching staff. And I—I I told Urban that at Big Ten Media Days, and he didn't know that. And it was like one of those Urban things—was like, oh. Maybe that should be addressed. Oh, wow. Look at you. You got Brian Hartline hired. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah, that's what happened.
0: Okay. When we come back, we're going to get into texter questions, and we're going to start with Chris Holtman and his job status on the basketball team. I I know there are some of you watching and listening to this who just Aren't that interested in basketball, like especially now? And so, you, if you want to, you can maybe fast forward. You know, I don't know, ten or fifteen minutes, and we'll be done with the basketball stuff. But I think everybody likes a good firing conversation, Bill. Right?
1: Yeah, a, a firing and potential candidate conversations yeah. always always what interesting. Yeah. All
0: right, we'll do that next on Kings of Columbus. So, how do you get to ask these questions, give these comments that we're going to use here in this next segment? You get to your tech subscriber. You pay. You pay for the right. And we appreciate it so much, 614-662-4509. That's how you sign up. You send a text to that number, you get a link back, you sign up, you get a two-week free trial. And we, we got a lot of people doing it right now. We're so grateful to the people who do it. We love the conversation. We really, really try to read almost everything that gets sent into us. We certainly can't use them all on the show. We can't respond to all of them, but we do feel like we have a good back and forth. And like the, you, the tech subscribers are our focus group. So like we love this audience here on YouTube. We love this audience of the podcast, but the focus group is like such a direct connection. It really helps give us the pulse of what Ohio State fans are thinking. For instance, Landis, should Chris Holtman be fired before the start of next season? 97% yes. <laughs> I can't believe it wasn't 100. How would we know if we didn't have tech subscribers? How <laughs> would we know? Do you believe Chris Holtman will be fired before the start of next season? Only 77% yes. There are 20% of the people who think he should be, but don't think he will be. Which will lead us to our first actual text or question. This is from our guy, Ron and Jupiter, down there in Florida. He's been, been with us forever. We love Ron. (laughs) He says, this is my daily slash yearly question. How has Chris Holtman not been fired yet? And these are some of the questions that we didn't get to last week. This is a week old. This is before the 18 point collapse against Indiana in the second half on Tuesday night. How has he not been fired yet? Landis, you actually have an answer for this.
1: Well, there, I, th- I think there's two things. What well, One is the money, right? He got a contract extension after their, their season where they last went to the NCAA tournament. So two seasons ago when they went to Pittsburgh, they uh, beat Loyola Chicago and the loss of Villanova. Um, got the extension right after that at the time. There were two years left on his contract. which would have run till the end of this season. Now he's got four more years um, beyond this one, I think I think is what it is. And it's fully guaranteed. So it's a lot of money. Um at the moment, it's like $14 million that Ohio State would owe him if they fired him. I mean, even if they waited for that kind of the deadline to pass, it would still be upwards of $10 million that they would owe uh, Chris Holtman to to fire him. Um, and I don't know that Ohio State wants to be the kind of athletic department that paid a $9 million buyout for Thad Mata to leave. And then, you know, relatively soon after that is paying a little more than that to get rid of the next basketball coach. So I think that's part of the hesitancy. But I also think, too, that there was like an understand and I'm not I'm not saying I agree with this. But I think there was an understanding, at least last year, that they were going to take some lumps as they like tried to reset the roster and play a little younger. And part of the contract extension, I think, was reassurance to Chris Holtman that he'd have some job security through through a lean year or two. Um, but I don't think anyone imagined that this year would look like last year. So I think that does change the dynamic. But I think the reason he hasn't been fired mostly at this point is money. Because you know you're talking ten million dollars, get rid of your basketball coach, and I don't know if Ohio State wants to do that.
0: Do you think he should be fired before the start of next season?
1: Yes. Do you think he will be? Um. Yeah, I kind of do. I kind of do now. I think. Oh, like barring some kind of crazy turnaround or like making the NCAA tournament. Yes.
0: I think he will be too. I think he should be, and he will be. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought there was a non-zero chance that we wake up Wednesday morning and it's done. And and we've talked a lot about this. Yeah, me too. All you guys watching and listening know this there's a complicated athletic director scenario that gene smith is still Mm -hmm. the athletic director ross bjork has been hired as the next athletic director gene smith is in charge through june 30th on july 1st ross bjork takes over how does that affect this ted carter's the president for all of it so i don't think that holds them back but it is a little complicating but i thought that loss tuesday night was almost like a and that was it Mm-hmm. Kind of loss. I mean that happens in sports. It's not stand alone, but it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. So, uh this is another question along those lines. This is um Jacob W. Is it officially Ohio State fan malpractice to continue defending Holtman? Asking for a friend, he said. Again, this is a week old, but I do think like Landis I I don't know that there's anybody left who would do that, but what matters is the fans. And so what matters is the program, right? And that is not against players and coaches. But you and I don't work for players and coaches. We do work for the fans. Yeah. And I could not understand somebody like who loves the coach at the expense of the program. And I think if you're defending Chris Holtman at this point, I don't... Is there a way that you could defend Chris Holtman and want to keep him and believe in him in a way that is positive for the program that you think no 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 don't just like don't be too quick to do this i know this is the guy for the good of the program let bruce thornton and roddy gale and felix akpara get to their junior year and that's when it's all going to come together because that would be the defense that's left sure is that in a reasonable defense in any way for the good of the program uh
1: no no I would understand it, I think, but I, I I don't think so. I think I think we're past that point. Um, I guess I would I would draw a line between defending Chris Holtman and then like supporting him still while he's the head coach. Like like wanting to see them kind of pull out of this and and see if they can't salvage something this season. Like believing and wanting your team to f- somehow still find success, I think, is perfectly reasonable. But I think the way you put it is is probably the right way. Like defending defending anything that is deficient at the expense of the program, I, I, I think would be malpractice on the part of a fan. And, you know, assuming you're a fan that wants the best for the program. Right. Um, so I don't know. I would, I would have a hard time, I think, wrapping my mind around that. So the, the thing that I think makes it difficult is
0: that he's killing the program, <laughs> killing it dead. Attendance. His first year, the attendance for the home games for the men's basketball team in 2017 18, 13,495. The year after, 13,900, then up to 14,500 and in year three. Then we had the COVID year, 13,2, 12,1. This year, it's 10,5, man. Mm-hmm. 10,500 home attendance. It's ninth in the Big Ten. Like the apathy that costs you money. So, like, yeah, the buyout yeah. costs you money, but so does destroying your basketball program which by their financial records from last year everybody knows this it's the only two programs that make money football made 55 million men's basketball made 10 million so when you're averaging four three thousand four thousand five thousand fewer fans per game and that the the heyday under Thad Mata, they were above that like that's money out of their pockets so there's a cost To keeping him, there is not only a cost to firing him. And that apathy is real. I asked our tech subscribers on a scale of one to 10, what is the highest level of interest you ever had as an Ohio State men's basketball fan, right? So we're trying to figure out like, do you care when they are good? Like, how much do you care? They said they were at 8.72 on a scale of 1 to 10 was the average. So that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people voting like, hey, man, when it was going great. I was a 10. Based on that, I said, what's your level of interest right now in men's basketball? What do you think it was, Landis, scale of 1 to 10?
1: Like a 4.2?
0: 2.99. Oh, wow. 8.7 at their max, under 3. Right now, And then just as a side note, I said, what's your level of interest in the Ohio State women's basketball team, which I do think we've said that Kevin McGuff, Ohio State's trying to push this women's basketball team, which is currently 10 and one in the Big Ten tied for first in the conference. They're tied with Iowa. They beat Iowa, which is Iowa's only Big Ten loss. They beat Caitlin Clark. They're number five in the country. They have a roster built on high school recruiting with a good mix of transfers. Kevin McGuff said for the first time they are getting Southern players to come to Ohio State. He said, we've tried to recruit the South before. We never had success. That Ohio State basketball brand, that women's basketball brand is traveling now. So like Ohio State's trying to push it. They brought in Kevin McGuff Wednesday morning after we talked to Ryan Day. It's a stark contrast. Like it's it's different, but it's similar enough And women's basketball in the Big Ten is good right now. Men's basketball in the Big Ten is bad. And in the tough league, Ohio State's tied for first. And in the bad league, Ohio State's 13th out of 14. Yep. And so I said, what's your level of interest in the women's basketball team? It's a 5.2. So, like, this is as good as women's basketball has been at Ohio State in a while. And it's, you know, it's still a 5.2. It's not an 8 or a 9 or a 10. But that's a 5.2 for the women. To a 2.99 for the men. So it's just like if you if you are interested, this would be a great time for any Ohio State fan. If you're an alum, if you grew up in Ohio, if you have you feel like you have a connection as a buckeye to their sports teams generally, just get on board with this women's basketball team. They have two. The hard thing is, and this is another I'm I counted. I counted. We're gonna get to candidates to replace Chris Holtman in a second. I want to do an old man rant first. Peacock. Peacock Tuesday night. I am right like I am interested enough in Ohio State basketball to want to flip them on. I am not interested enough to buy a streaming service that I don't currently have to watch them. I get, I think I counted, I think I get five streaming services. So I have YouTube TV as my primary thing. I have Netflix because like everybody has Netflix, right? Don't you have to have Netflix? Mm -hmm. I have Apple because they have For All Mankind. And there's a couple other shows that I like, I have. Uh, actually, we had Amazon Prime, but we got rid of it just because you get free packages, and it's like, you want a movie with your free package? So we kind of do that. And then I have the Disney Hulu combo thing, right? So like mm. those, eh, I'm a Disney guy, and like Hulu has some like has New Girl and How I Met Your Mother and stuff. But like we don't get Paramount Plus, we don't get Peacock, so. The men were on Peacock on Tuesday. The women, their next two games are on the road. They're both on Peacock, and so they're back home on Valentine's Day. If you want to go watch them in person, I don't know. If I'm sick of the Peacock, but like, I'm here to criticize Chris Holtman. I didn't watch the game on Tuesday night because I'm sorry that I didn't get a sixth streaming service to watch this three and nine basketball team. Is that where we are? I just think I counted. I counted up on the my YouTube TV while Ohio State was on a streaming service that I don't want to pay for. There were seven other men's college basketball games that I could have watched that I don't give two squats about. I don't want to watch Clemson basketball. I don't want to watch any other basketball. I don't even want to watch Ohio State basketball. It's like a crash now. But that, that I was so angry. Uh, Is it okay to be angry about that world? Or am I just screaming?
1: No. There are seven
0: games that I got. I'm paying for and don't want. And the only one I want is on this freaking thing and I don't want to watch poker face and I don't want to pay to get the freaking basketball game.
1: I'll I'll uh I'll just I'll give you the new password for ours so you can watch you can go back to using my account.
0: <laughs> I'm willing to pay for basketball. I am not willing to pay for bad Ohio State <laughs> men's basketball. Yeah. But now sure. I, maybe maybe I'll want to watch the women this week and I'll have to get Peacock. Oh god. Yeah. And By then the way, it was Chris Collinsworth, his kid apparently was doing the game. Is that right? Did you watch the Yeah,
1: game? Yeah, it was him and... Uh, what's his, Robbie what's his Hummel, name? right? Robbie Hummel, yeah. yeah.
0: Why is Chris Collinsworth's kid doing basketball?
1: I don't know. He's not good. Um, yeah, I don't know why he does it. I forget. The, the, Hummel used to do it with Jason Benetti on ESPN. They were really good together. Yeah, well, Hummel's Jason, all over the place. He's on like yeah. 14 networks. I like him. Yeah. I don't think Jason Benetti does basketball anymore. I'm so um, mad. But yeah, what's his... Collinsworth's kid is is not good. Um, I was just looking at this as you were ranting because I was curious. Last game of the regular season for the Ohio State women at Iowa. Iowa, Iowa. At Iowa, is it on Peacock? I can't. I think uh, the, when they played last time, they put the game on on Big NBC. I'm okay. sure they'll. I'm sure they'll do that again.
0: That could be. Yeah, that could be for the Big Ten regular season title. That's yeah. going to be. And then Iowa's going to storm the court and just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> knock over thirteen Ohio State players.
1: Um. Okay. We'll see if the high state player flops after it happens.
0: So you said it, not me. So the, the uh, flop gate, this is the other thing that, so the one thing that I pointed out is that Thad Motta's last two seasons when he got fired, he was 18 and 18. Those two seasons combined in the Big Ten, the last two seasons right now, so far for Chris Holtman, they are eight and 24 in Big Ten play, which is mind-blowing. And sometimes you just have to do a little math and put numbers together so that you can like have a full grasp on how terrible something is. That's why that's the only reason to know math. How terrible is it? Last two years, Big Ten regular season conference record. Purdue 25 and 7, Illinois 19 and 12, Northwestern 18 and 13, Indiana 18 and 14, Michigan State 17 and 14, Wisconsin 17 and 14, Iowa 16 and 15, Maryland 16 and 16, Penn State 15 and 16, Nebraska 15 and 17, Rutgers 14 and 17, Michigan 13 and 18. So that's Purdue on top and then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 teams between 19 and 13 Big Ten wins. Big squishy middle there for the taking. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, 8 and 24, Minnesota, 8 and 22. And Minnesota's on an upswing this year. Ohio State's the worst men's basketball program in the Big Ten right now.
1: I think that's probably right.
0: And I always reference it. I know people are probably tired of referencing it. And I think Gene Smith has backed off some of these comments since he made them to me on the day that Chris Holtman was hired. And I think he's backed off some, I was, I can remember it now. I was almost like getting in a fight with Gene Smith because I was saying like, you are setting the standard for Ohio State men's basketball too high because he said this should be a top 15 program consistently and sometimes a top five program. And I was basically like, you're crazy. And he's like, why, why, why not? Why not? I think we, I think our people deserve that. I think our university, our program deserves that. And like, it's, uh, you know, it's still up. It's a cleveland.com story I wrote back then. You can find it. Gene Smith's expectations for Ohio State basketball are higher than ever, maybe too high. If you read it now, it blows hmm. your mind. Because if Ohio State was 16 and 16 in the Big Ten, the last two years, you'd be like, wow, they are way below that standard. They're 8 and 24. It's unrecognizable. The athletic director who made the hire on the day the hire was made and what the program is now, it is a different universe. It's wild, brother.
1: Are you sure? Are you sure that Gene didn't mean top 15 in the Big Ten and occasionally top five in the Big Ten?
0: If they keep Chris Holtman, they are not going to make the Big Ten tournament (laughs) next year because next year there's going to be 18 teams in the Big Ten and they've decided only 15 get to go to the tournament which I actually think is kind of crappy. I don't know why they can't figure out a way to have a a bigger opening round. Yeah. Ohio state will be at home. Candidates. This is from TK Doug and bill. If you're talking basketball, bring a lot, bring a list of realistic coaching candidates. So we did that, and my list of realistic coaching candidates is every single coach in men's college basketball other than Tom Izzo, Bill Self, and John Calipari, and tell me why I'm wrong.
1: I don't think you're wrong. I, I think Ohio State should be able to take a swing at really anybody in the country that it wants to. Because um, I think, I, I'll be curious, like if, if Gene walked back those comments, and he probably should, I guess. And, and um, he has to various has. degrees over the years. We don't know what Ross Bjork thinks Ohio State basketball should be, but I'd imagine he thinks it should be as competitive as possible. So if that's the case, then you should be able to go out there and hire whoever you want in your Ohio State. Like, within, like, you're right. Like, I don't think you're going to pay to get Bill Self away from Kansas or Tom Mizzo from Michigan State or John Calipari from Kentucky. Um, Short of those three, like, I don't know. I think, I don't think anyone should be off limits to Ohio State. There there are degrees of um, being realistic there, I suppose, but. Like I don't think you're gonna get Matt Painter to leave Purdue, but you should ask him if you're if you're looking for a new head coach, right? So I'm with you. I don't I don't I don't think it needs to be like a coach on the upswing that's like at a lower major program or at a mid major program. Um and li- like if there's a guy there that you really believe in, then then by all means I guess like stick to your guns and do that. But there's no reason Ohio State shouldn't be able to go and poach an already successful college basketball coach.
0: I know, like, I think last time when they got Holtman, people were like wanted Billy Donovan to like leave the NBA and come back. And so like yes. I'm not I'm not talking about like uh Nick Nurse. You know, this isn't like go get Doc Rivers to leave the Bucks after a week and come coach Ohio State basketball. Don't get Doc but, Rivers. But going <laughs> why Bill? Why Bill Landis does not want Doc Rivers <laughs> as the next coach of Ohio State Men's Basketball? Looking at, like, USA Today does these great salary lists all the time. They, they, the basketball head coach list comes out in March, so the most recent one is almost a year old by now. But by the one last year, Chris Holtman at $3.5 million was number 24 in the country in yearly salary, seventh in the Big Ten. So I'm just talking about, like, that's a general guide. But, like, guys on that list, okay, Tony Bennett at Virginia is making four point eight. He's won a national title at Virginia. He's from Wisconsin. He went to Wisconsin, Green Bay. His dad used to be the head coach at Wisconsin. He's had success at Virginia. Go throw five million. Go throw five point five at Tony Bennett. Make him say no. Scott Drew at Baylor, big time dude, making three point seven at Baylor. His dad was a coach at Valparaiso forever. He's an Indiana guy. Go throw money at Scott Drew. Tell him you'll give him five. Come be the coach at Ohio State. Um, Eric Musselman at Arkansas. That's the guy that you mentioned. He's making four. Buzz Williams, the guy that Ross Bjork hired at Texas A&M, he's making 4.1. Nate Oates at Alabama, who used to be the head coach at Buffalo, he's making like Holtman money right now. He's making 3.4. Go throw money at him. And then you start getting into local people. Lamont Paris at South Carolina is a guy that, that uh, with Ohio roots, that Burm has thrown out. Dennis Gates, who used to be the head coach at Cleveland State, is having success at Missouri, right? He's a guy that, you know, if you're looking for Ohio ties, but like Jerome Tang at Kansas State is a guy I think that people have thrown out of. Like, this guy's just a good coach. That's who you can get. You can yeah. get almost anybody. So, so go do it. I know it's going to cost money, but you've got money. That's what the TV contracts are for.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I will fully, admit I don't know college basketball well enough to know that there, if there is like another Jerome Tang out there, like long time successful assistant coach who's ready to make the leap to head coach and like was immediately very good once he did that. Um, I also like. What do you think about guys who were like objectively very good basketball coaches that come with a little bit of baggage? like Chris John Miller Beard. or Chris Beard. Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know. Like I would take swings at like guys with, I think clean records and high success first. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Chris Beard just left t- Chris Beard. took Texas tech to the national title game, then had a thing with allegations and then was the Texas coach, but then left for old Miss. He was right?
1: fired. He was fired. And then took the old miss job. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, again, like I'm just saying like, I think you can shoot high here. And, mm-hmm. and that I don't, I, I think you can get somebody who's made sweet 16s. Yeah. So I think you could last, you know, they hired the Butler coach. Well, they hired the Butler coach last time they hired the Xavier coach who had been at Butler before that. But I think you could, I think you can get a power conference coach who's winning and just woo him with money. Go do what LSU did with Brian Kelly, getting him to leave Notre Dame to go to LSU. Like go do that.
1: No, I, I I'm with, you. I think, I think they, they should do that. Why Why would you limit yourself? Um, cause even if it's, even if you don't have whatever the five and a half million, like Ohio, they're, they're already close to four. And like, I think 4 million gets in a lot of doors, doesn't it? Like to, to get a yes. pretty good college basketball coach. And like that to me is not an obscene amount of money for a place like Ohio State to pay its men's basketball coach. Uh,
0: our producer, Mike wants Dusty May from Florida Atlantic. He's oh, a, yeah. uh, yeah. he's got, uh, he's got Midwestern ties, right? Is he like the guy who's the Indiana basketball manager or something?
1: Yeah, he's yeah. from Illinois.
0: Yeah, yeah, went to Indiana. Went so to again, Indiana. like, 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 the list of candidates, everyone. I'd yeah. ask Izzo, ask him.
1: You know, Tom Izzo would never replace his good friend Chris Holtman.
0: There is nobody who likes <clears throat> defending a losing basketball coach like Tom Izzo, and I'm not criticizing him for it. I'm just saying he is a heck of a swell fella. But just because Tom Izzo says he's good doesn't mean you should keep him because Tom Izzo
1: is here for coaches, right? Tom Izzo is absolutely here for coaches. I'm just pulling up Ohio state schedule to see, uh, let's see, Sunday, February 25th is, Oh, well that'll be different because Tom Izzo likes to come to Columbus and then lecture the Columbus media about how poor, how mean it is that Chris Holtman. Yeah. Um, but I guess he doesn't get the opportunity to do that this year. Oh, okay. So anyway, um,
0: that's it for basketball. We got to take another break. ranting, everybody, everyone, not the current guy, everyone else. That's the candidates list. Football talk when we come back on Kings of Columbus. All right, time to get rapid with some of our rapid football questions. This is from Jeff B. Doug, right after the Michigan game, you stipulated that if Ryan Day lost four in a row to Michigan, that's when the hot seat would get termed up and five losses in a row would be the firing point. After everything that has transpired this offseason, it feels like the general consensus is Ryan has to beat Michigan this year or he's fired. Are we putting too high of an expectation on this year or is this really beat them or else? He did get asked on Wednesday morning, Bill, about that idea. He quoted C.J. Stroud saying that pressure is a privilege and basically said, like, I thought like every year is like utmost Mm -hmm. urgency kind of stuff. Um, I think I have also said, like, this is not really the conversation I want to have around Ohio State football for an entire year as they bring in Quinshawn Judkins and Caleb Downs, and as they add Julian Sayan, as they get JT2 and and Emeka Buka to stay, and as they, you know, change up the coaching staff. I, I don't want to have a year long conversation about, well, if they don't beat Michigan, everybody's fired. But we can have it every now and then. Do you think it's true?
1: Um, No, I, I don't, I don't know that we're there quite yet. And like, obviously the, the addendum to that is like, they can lose to Michigan and make a run in the playoffs still, right? We're, we're in a new world. So like, I would need to know what that looks like before I answer the question. Like if they lose to Michigan again and then don't make the semis or don't win a national title, I, I think then he enters the winner else season. I don't, I don't know that he's in it now. Um, and I think the AD change plays into that too, right? I don't I don't know if Ross Bjork is gonna fire Ryan Day one year, or not even one year, like what seven months or so into the job if he doesn't beat Michigan. Um so I think I think I agree with your assessment that like four puts you on the hot seat, like squarely on the hot seat, and then five, I think gets it done absent you somehow rebounding and winning a national championship.
0: And and even the question that was asked today was framed in the way that, that we talked about on our show the other day that like, you know, Hey, Michigan, they're going to have all the pressure off because they lost everybody. And it's just, you know um, what if, what if they lose to Michigan the way they lost to Georgia in the semifinal because they yeah. have a couple injuries and they miss a field goal at the end. You know, like what if, I I don't know, like if the, if you yeah. don't play, if you don't, if you don't live up to your potential as a program and you get your doors blown off or, you know, you have other losses along the way and you kind of, you know, waste all the talent this season. That's one that's one conversation. But, you know, just like beat Michigan or else, I, I, I think we're in the I, we're in the right place. That Like this would still be this would get you on the hot seat. It would not
1: finish it so but, but do also, you think there, do you think there is con- context that we don't clearly don't have now that could make this beat michigan or else like
0: like if i i, I don't i don't know because i don't think ohio state's like gonna be bad like if i think the context of the game would matter I do think the idea that like Mike Vrabel is sitting around, there was a report today, I guess Luke, Luke Fickle on Wednesday said that he thinks Mike, Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. He thinks Mike Vrabel might hang around Wisconsin football a little bit this year. So that means Mike Vrabel, Luke Fickle's best friend is going to be like hanging around Big Ten football. I think like that idea adds a little tiny bit to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly would like not commit to beat Michigan or else right now right? Because there's too many factors. Like I, yes. I, I definitely, and it's not what we think. It's like, I think it's what's realistic. And I do think maybe the, your point about the athletic director change, we've talked about that a lot in regards to the basketball coach. This is also why I wanted to put this back to back. I remember this now. There's a reason I wanted to have this conversation back to back with the Chris Holtman conversation, which is, and I've complained about this before, don't lump them together. Like there are times when like it's right after a Michigan loss and people are like Ryan Day and Chris Holtman both need to go. And it's like one is undefeated and loses to the eventual national champion. The other is in 13th place in the Big Ten. (laughs) Let's not act like it's the same. It's not just like oh it's not good enough. That's not I'm getting red in the face like that's Just nobody in the text like none of the texters are doing this right now. Just like preemptively, like you have to be able to have tears to like unacceptability. This is not acceptable, right? This is not good enough, but this is not good enough. Does not always mean fire everybody? But if you can't yep. differentiate between 13th place and losing to the national champs in the final minute, like, I don't know what to tell you. Man. <laughs> like <that's>, it's not <laughs> the same thing. It's not, no. Okay. Nepotism. It's my favorite. So I texted about Corey Dennis taking a job as an offensive analyst at Utah, which happened this week. Initially, when they said Corey Dennis would no longer be the quarterback's coach, in the press release, it said he may have a chance to stay and stick around whatever. And it's like, oh, he's not sticking around. He is going to work for Kyle Whittingham, not as a full-time assistant. So it's down. So he wasn't a full-time assistant as Ohio State. Then he got promoted to full-time assistant. Now he's back to not a full-time assistant working for his father-in-law's former defensive coordinator that when Urban Meyer left Utah to go to Florida, Kyle Whittingham took over then and is still there. So he is still getting jobs based off Urban Meyer. But I was just like, man, you know, once upon a time, Corey Dennis had the quarterback's coach job at Colorado State lined up to go work for Steve Adazio who also used to work for urban Meyer at Florida and urban also got him that job, but at least it was Colorado state. Mm-hmm. And like to go from like a staffer at Ohio state to a full-time assistant at Colorado state seems okay to me. And if they just should have done that, like I know the, it's like Mike Yurcich left, the job came up at Ohio state and he stayed. It allowed, you know, his his wife and his family, family reasons you want to be a rep, That's great. But like, he wasn't qualified for the job and just like, go strike out on your own. So I like, just, it didn't work out for anybody. And I just was complaining like a final time because I feel like, like my main nipotism things like Brian Ferentz doesn't have a job. Corey Dennis didn't get a full-time assistant job. I've lumped Jay Harbaugh into my nepotism complaints at times, but Jay Harbaugh was gonna follow his dad to the Chargers and instead took the full-time special teams job with Mike McDonald with the Seattle Seahawks, which again is somebody that he worked with, but at least he's not related to him. And it's like I don't think it's his dad making Mike McDonald hire him. So, like that, unlike Steve Belichick, who got his was working for his dad with the Patriots, is now the defensive coordinator for the Washington Huskies for Jed Fish who worked in New England with him for a little bit. But again, it's not the same as being related or not the same as what Ryan Day did for Urban Meyer's son-in-law. So I was complaining like one final time, one final nepotism complaint, because I don't know, do I have, what are the nepotism things in college football that are front of mind for me right now that I have to complain about? It doesn't feel like there are that many left that I'm aware of.
1: Mm -mm. Okay. I can't think of any.
0: So I was complaining about, oh, no, no. And then Carl sent this in and, and said, my dad told me at a young age, it's who you know, not what you know. Um, and, and was like kind of going into this thing about, Doug, hopefully you can move on and hammer Ryan Day about his lousy in-game coaching decisions instead of Brian Ferentz's offense or where Corey Dennis is working. So like he's just making the point, he said, few coaching hires are made without friendship or family links. I get the coaches hire their friends. I get it. It's when someone is clearly not qualified yeah. and only gets the job because of who they're related to. And like, I think we're able to differentiate between those things. And so I'm not saying that co- hiring... For, I, I still don't like hiring your friends. Hire the best qualified person. It expands your pool. It's better for everybody. It's better for the program. It's better for the industry. But I know, I know you're going to hire people that you know, but I'm never going to stop complaining about this. So, like, I I understand how Corey Dennis and Brian Ferentz are different than others things, but the next time it happens around any program that I have anything to do with or I'm covering in any way, I'm going to complain about that, too. So, just be aware. I, I know how the world works, but I hate nepotism. Is that okay? Can I hate nepotism?
1: I think it's okay. Because I, I also think, it's for, for me, it's almost, like, independent of the results, right? Like, I, I'm... I'm more interested in the process. Like if Ryan Day hired Corey Dennis because Corey Dennis is Urban Meyer's son-in-law and Corey Dennis turned out to be a really good quarterback's coach, I still don't think that that was a good process to hire him, right? You right. kind of got you kinda got away with it. Um no, and and like nor do I think uh like being privileged enough, I suppose, to like grow up a coach's son or like have those kind of connections preclude you from being good at the job. But I but I don't I don't think it means you get to like leapfrog people because of who you know right that that also rubs rubs me the wrong way and like i know like it happens in every walk of life it's not specific to, to football but football is what we cover if we covered corporate america we do the same thing yeah
0: so anyway i won't complain about it for now because i vanquished it mm-hmm. solved <laughs> solving the world's problems ohio solving the world captains this is from avery N. bill and doug who would be your projected Captains for this upcoming football season. My projection would be Emeka abuka Jack Sawyer, and Denzel Burke. So yeah. they're probably going to have like six. I think a guy and Ryan Day mentioned him today, and I was like, "Yep, is Corey Simon." I think like that is a Cody favorite. Simon. Why did I say Corey Simon? Because Corey Simon was a defensive tackle for the Birds.
1: Sure was. It's a great defensive tackle. I had I had his jersey uh, when I was a child. You um, think?
0: You think? I don't have any birds in me. I have a little bit of bird in me.
1: I know. I know. Not as much as you. I know that. Yeah. Kel- Kelly Greenbirds, too. It's the yeah. back. Yeah. Um, Cody Simon. Cody Simon. So, so I agree. Um, last year, they only had three, and they kind of went back to the old school, like offense, defense, special teams with Cade Stover, Tommy Eichenberg, and Xavier Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this, I I think I agree with you that this does feel like a season where they'll have more than that just because of like all the guys who came back. Um, so if assuming they don't just do the three, I think the three that were suggested was, was Mecca, Denzel, Burke, and who was the third one? Uh it was Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer, yeah, I think definitely Jack Sawyer is another name that came up a lot on Wednesday with Ryan Day. Like Ryan Day, Ryan Day went out of his way several times to remind us or or tell us that like the biggest development for Ohio, Ohio State this offseason was all those guys who decided to come back not the transfer additions not the staff changes not the recruiting class all those guys who decided to come back and he I, I thought kind of portrayed Jack Sawyer as like the ringleader of that yep um so I definitely think Jack is in line um to be a captain of Mecca definitely uh Cody Simon I would have there yes Denzel Burke of course um maybe Trevion Henderson based on the way that Ryan Day talked about him on Wednesday like Talking a lot about Travion's leadership, talking about maturity um, and and realizing that it was probably best for him and best for the program to bring in Quinshad Jenkins and have those guys kind of work in tandem at running back. So I, I thought that was an interesting shout out to, to Travion that Ryan Day made. Um, so maybe that's what we're we up to like five or I think we're five there. So maybe that's that's about the the number. If if they did stick to three and did do the offense defense special teams thing. I think it would be a Mecca, Buka, Jack Sawyer for the defense, and then you can kind of fudge it with Cody Simon because Cody Simon mm-hmm. played the second most special team snaps on the team last year, and I think regardless of what his role is for the defense, he'll play a lot of special teams too. So that would be my three in that kind of world, but I, I do think it could be like five or six.
0: Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great answer, and I think like those three, the last three you just mentioned I think are the locks. Like a Mecca is just a dude. A Mecca is like Mm -hmm. a grown man. A Mecca handles his business. And Jack is a ringleader of sort of bringing everybody back. And then Cody is just, again, is just a dude who handles his business. All right. Starters. This is Alex P. How confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that, you know, all 22 starters for Ohio state right now? I would say. Maybe like a. Maybe like a six and a half. Like yeah. I think we could get twenty out of twenty-two. Practically like ten out of ten. I was
1: right? going to say seven. Yeah, yeah. Because I, we're, we're what, what don't we? Know? I think we don't know like what linebacker is going to look like and what the right side of the offensive line is going to look like. But otherwise, we kind of know, right? Yeah. If, yeah.
0: And like Ryan Day was asking that, like, is Caleb Downs definitely going to start? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a great, a great final question from the retiring Clay Hall. In his final Ryan Day press conference.
0: Caleb Downs is the best player in college
1: football. Is there room
0: for him to start on this defense? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think when you think about um, the four guys in the defensive line are set, the three corners are set. um, The two safeties are set with Caleb Downs and Lathan Ransom. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to figure out what it's going to look like with what Sonny Styles is. And Ryan Day was asked about, like, his son again going to move to linebacker and gave, like, a long answer about his physical and mental flexibility that, to me, sounded like a yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and exactly how that fits with C.J. Hicks and, and Cody Simon. But, like, and then offensively, you know, I think the three receivers we would know. Prop, like, we feel pretty good about Emeka, Buka, Carnell Tate, and Jeremiah Smith, probably, right? We feel good about uh, Will Kasmerick at tight end. Trevion and Will Howard in the backfield and then left side of the line, as you said, with Josh Simmons, Donovan Jackson, and Seth McLaughlin at center. And then it's just a matter of whether Josh Fryer is a guard or a tackle. Mm-hmm. And and I, and if we were going to try to do that right now, I think I'd put Fryer at guard and Luke Montgomery at tackle. Or you could put Fryer at tackle and then like the Luke Montgomery, Tegra Shibola winner at guard. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, if I had to pick, I would say it's Josh Fryer guard and the Montgomery tackle right now. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think you and I would agree on the 22
0: we'd put out there. What would you, if you had to do linebacker, would you do Cody Simon and Sonny Styles as the two linebackers?
1: Yes. With like CJ Hicks, like as a kind of float player, like Jim Knowles actually embracing that idea and using the position this year.
0: And the, and the idea that of like Jordan Hancock as the slot corner safety really is kind of on the field, running down and passing down. There's no yes. more of like a half Hancock half styles thing
1: there. Yeah. yeah. Cause
0: you want Jordan Hancock on the field. So, yeah. okay. No, I think, and we're not saying anything that most of the people, most fans wouldn't be able to come up with on their own. There's no like inside information here. So we're rolling a dice a bit on the right guard, right tackle. But I, I think maybe you and I. With what we just said, if we're pretty united and let's put Montgomery at right tackle, I think we might feel like maybe we're at an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yep. Barring barring everyone staying healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Jim Harbaugh. This is from Drew P. Not too much more about Jim Harbaugh leaving, but with him poaching staff to take to the Chargers, doesn't it feel like a bit of a middle finger to Michigan? So he is taking – he took Ben Herbert, the strength coach, that people made a big deal about. He took Jesse Minter as a defensive coordinator. And then just the most recent one was Mike Elston as the defensive line coach. And by the way, this now ends my inability to differentiate Mike Elston from Mike Elko, which is good for me in college football. Do you ever have trouble with that?
1: Yeah. I I kind of forgot that there was an Elston. Yeah. <laughs> You,
0: were you kind of like, why is the head coach at Texas A&M still working at Michigan and going to the NFL?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I thought uh, Nick Baumgartner, who's who's really good at covering stuff. You worked with him at the athletic. He's, mm-hmm. He did Michigan for a while. He does a lot of NFL stuff and Lions stuff. Now I saw a Twitter thing he was doing about this and someone was suggesting like, is, is Harbaugh like doing this to get Michigan back? And his answer was that like Jim Harbaugh has no friends. And all Jim Harbaugh thinks about is football and all he cares about is football. So like, he would not factor in like, am I doing this to Michigan? Am I not doing it to Michigan? I'm just trying to make the best football staff I can for whoever is employing me. And that's it. So it, it might be a middle finger, but it's a perhaps unintentional middle finger. Or maybe it's a different finger. But I sort of buy that. Like, But also, I, there was enough stuff as he left with clearly somebody's leaking like, hey, you know, Michigan's trying to give Harbaugh a contract, but he wants to make sure he doesn't get fired if the NCAA comes after him. And by the reports, there's enough stuff on websites and, and real reporting that would tell you that maybe Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel weren't seeing eye-to-eye yeah. the Michigan AD on everything. But I, I don't think that would mean he would like want to destroy because like there's the program and there's the people yes. and there's still a whole roster of guys that he recruited left at Michigan. Sharon Moore, who he loves is still left to run that program. So I don't think he would like tear down Michigan to get back at the AD. I just think he believes the best people for the job with the Chargers are the people he worked with at Michigan. And he's also not going to try to be nice to Michigan if it would at all inhibit him from getting the best staff he can in the NFL. Uh,
1: yeah, I I think that Jim Harbaugh is a cold-blooded sociopath who wasn't going <laughs> to let his love for Michigan get in the way of winning a Super Bowl.
0: That's how you say it. All right, we'll move on. That's it. <laughs> Let's move to Hawaii. And, Mike, we can clip that if you would like to clip that. We always are looking for clips. Um, Hawaii. This is Steve. I'm flying to Maui next week. Is there a movie you would recommend for the flight? assuming it's available. So again, some of these questions are left over from last week when we didn't get to them. So I wrote back to Steve and said, Steve, are you in Maui now? We're going to make movie recommendations, but I'm worried we missed you. And he responded and said, yes, I just got to my condo on Maui. I did recommend a movie to him, just returning it in text. What movie do you think I recommended he watch on his way to Hawaii?
1: Oh, uh I don't know. I feel like I don't know your taste in movies well enough. It, it's it a, a
0: Hawaii movie that someone we know also talks about all the time.
1: Oh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah,
0: that yeah. Ari can quote yeah, from the beginning to end. Yeah. So uh, I suggested Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And Steve said, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of my favorite movies, but it wasn't available on my flight. I was going to watch Oppenheimer, but opted for a rewatch of Top Gun Maverick. Oh, and then he sent a picture of him in Maui, which is awesome. And he said, I don't always drink Mai Tais, but when I do, it's with the podcast daily, Kings of Columbus and Kings of the North. So Steve Love that. could not be more of our guy. When you are watching a movie on a flight, do you want to watch a movie that you're excited to see that you've never seen before? Do you want to watch an old favorite? Like, do you want action? Do you want to cry? They had the, the, the movie, like the uh, airline commercial where people are crying, right? Yeah. Watching a movie. Like, what are you looking for in an in-flight
1: movie? I want to watch something familiar. I don't. I don't know that I want to watch something new, um, on a flight. But I'm. A, I, I am. I'm a very nervous flyer. Like, my my. I'm not in the mental space to like focus on a movie in a way that like I would actually enjoy watching something new. And and yeah. I think part of like part of the familiar is like kind of like calm me down a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I would I would err on the side of familiar. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is an excellent suggestion. Hawaii themed. Um, it's not the same caliber of comedy as forgetting Sarah Marshall, but like Fifty First Dates, the Adam Sandler film, was also set set in Hawaii, and it's not, it's not a bad movie. Uh, like if I could, like I think I think I think my two favorite movies of all time, and I'm not saying they're the best movies of all time; they're just my favorites, are That Thing You Do mm. and Empire Records. Oh, look at you with the music. Yeah, so I would if I could, I would watch. Is that Mortal a Liv Tyler double feature? It actually is, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but yes. We I are suggest- learning about Landis. <laughs> it is, yeah. That's uh that's just a coincidence, I think. Yeah, just a coincidence. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I would be worried about watching forgetting Sarah Marshall on a flight because I'd be worried that people would see Jason Siegel's junk and I oh. wouldn't want to impose that on them.
1: But, but if it's love- a, if it's available on they they edit the films on do they, planes, they Take don't the they? junk out. Take out the junk. I think take the junk yeah. out, yeah. Delta Airlines, you uh, take the drunk out. <laughs> <I, laughs> when I fly, I demand the full junk.
0: I will sue. Do not edit my choices. What did I do? I hit the hit a button. Everything went away. All right. Uh, let's get off of Jason Siegel's junk. Austin M. <laughs> I thought that I may have. Uh, a thought I've been having is that I think Kyle McCord leaving and losing to Missouri might have been the best two things to happen to Ohio State this year. So uh, Austin goes into a long description, and and I I like everything he had to say. We don't have the time to share it all, but it's basically like McCord forced their hand to go do something and not sort of accept, you know, maybe the status quo. Yeah. Um, do you believe that those two things maybe forced Ohio State and Ryan Day into decisions that they wouldn't have otherwise made on their own if Kyle McCord had stayed and if they had just had Kyle McCord and then they beat Missouri 24-14 in the Cotton Bowl?
1: I I think I don't agree with that. Maybe maybe that helped nudge them in, in the right direction. Um, it felt like to me in that press conference we had with Ryan Day right before Kyle McCord transferred to – he had already been thinking about ways to enhance that position. Um, I guess if like Devin Brown would have played really well in the Cotton Bowl, then maybe Will Howard wouldn't be here. But I think almost everything else would have happened anyway. So I, I don't. It's, it kind of felt to me like as soon as the Michigan game ended, something like there was a little bit of a, a switch that flipped and, and Ryan Day was going to attack this offseason the way that he has kind of independent of anything else that would have happened.
0: Because part of the Kyle McCord left in part because Ryan Day wasn't willing to fully commit to him. Yeah. Which was like Ryan Day. I, I do think, right? It's not it's not correct maybe to couch it as Kyle McCord made a decision and then Ryan Day had to make a decision. I think Ryan Day made a decision, which then caused Kyle McCord to make a decision.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Line in the sand. I I, I do think the combination of the two. That if, if there was anything that he was thinking about, it became action. Thought became action. Like that's it. There's no more holding back. But as he kind of intimates, and, and I think he's mostly right about this it's like, you know, like losing to Michigan is never okay. Three straight losses to Michigan, like how much more is the house on fire? Right? That he's, you know, he felt pressure the minute he got the job. He was like in tears after he beat Michigan. Yeah, In in 2019, like, so like to say, like, how much urgency is there now? His answer is usually like, I thought we were at maximum urgency from the minute I was sitting on the dais with urban and urban said, you have to beat Michigan and you have to win every other game too. Like I, I think Ryan day believes he's had it. The dial turned all the way up. And so every question that's like, well, is this the most, well, is this more? He's just like, I walk around with a giant knot in my stomach every day, (laughs) fearing any loss, especially one to our rival. Like, What more do you want? Great. I don't know how to say it's any more urgent than that, but the action that he took, I think you're right. I think the loss to Michigan itself is, is really the thing that caused most of it. But if 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 the loss to Michigan only got him ninety percent of the way there on a couple things, I think the McCord situation and the Missouri loss got him over the top on everything else.
1: Yeah, that, that's probably right. I, I sort of felt like, not necessarily like Ohio State was like checked out of the Cotton Bowl, though the results would tell you that they maybe were. Um, but it just was. It wasn't even close to that priority. I think like they were just they were trying to get things figured out for twenty twenty four. Um, so I don't know like if you win that game, I guess you feel a little better about things, but I don't think that would have stopped him from doing anything that Ohio State's done already this offseason.
0: And he sort of gave an answer like this on Wednesday that I think probably is, is a chunk of what he believes, which is like the only experienced quarterback we had got hurt and Marv wasn't there. What Mm -hmm. do you want us to do? Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, like everything else, like whatever, whatever, whatever we were playing a kid who was playing South Dakota high school football six months ago. And the best player in college football Sat out. So yeah, we looked like crap. So what are you going to do? This is from our friend Dairy S. Hey, Doug and Bill, I would love some thoughts on what advice you would give to someone who just moved to Columbus, who's in their late 20s to early 30s. Any recommendations for food, grocery stores, events, places to hang out? Anything else would be a massive help. Thank you both. And I hope your eye is doing well, Doug. It is doing well. Thank you, Dairy. Um, So I'm old and I just tell everybody to go to the zoo so the zoo's great i mean like i i i can't imagine that there's anybody who lives anywhere in the central ohio area who's like what columbus zoo i had no idea like come on man like it's yeah. a columbus zoo so um there's a butterfly place that so beware of that don't go there don't mm. go to the butterfly conservatory because there's just there's butterflies everywhere they're like they're all they're attacking you they're all around you um there seems like I still am sort of discovering stuff at times. Like, there does seem to be a lot of good places to eat. I just, I, Columbus does seem like a place that I think you just need to like drive around a little bit. Yeah. And you will come across many places that are like, oh, that looks like a cool restaurant. Oh, that looks like a cool store. Like, oh, that looks like a cool place to hang out. Like, th- it has a fair amount of that stuff. So just like get on your bike or get in your car and go drive around.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's different, there's definitely parts of the city that maybe rise above others people would tell you to go to. like. And I would have said, so, like, when I first moved to Columbus, I lived in Short North. I was 25, I think. Um, yeah, 25. I've been here 10 years. Um, but it's changed so much now that, like, I would even hesitate to say that because I honestly don't know what it's like. And I don't go there very often anymore because I'm 35 now and I feel too old to go to the Short North. Um, but, like, German Village is very cool. Like, Worthington is very cool. So, like, yeah, there's it's, it's sometimes it's a city that feels, like, a little disconnected. Like, growing up in Philadelphia, like, there are different neighborhoods, but they also kind of, like, feel connected in some way, and Columbus doesn't really have that vibe to me, but, like, each kind of pocket has its own thing going on, so I think you're right to kind of drive around um, and figure that out and kind of explore on your own, and I would say, too, like, um, like my wife, when we moved here, like, signed up to, like, play, like, in a kickball league, like, met some people that way, and... um. I played like in a rec softball league this past summer, even, even now, like all that stuff, like very helpful. And there's, there's a lot of that around Columbus too. Um, so I think that's cool. Like bar trivia leagues are cool. We, we did that for a while. Um, we used to do one at uh what's it called now? It used to be called Zauber, Now it's called something else. It's over in Grandview. Um, it was very cool. I think they still have the, the trivia night. So like, I, I think that's a good way to like get out and, Get a vibe for the city. Get a vibe for the people. Try different um, foods and, and beers and that kind of stuff. If you're into beer, like there's, there's, I, mean, I can't imagine there are many places better than Columbus to live because there's like a brewery on every street. It seems like now, um, but there's a lot. There is a lot here. Like a, I think a surprising amount. So I don't even know if you need advice on places to go. I yeah. think you're right. If you're just getting your car and kind of wander, you'll find something cool.
0: So we we moved here in 2005, and I can still remember uh, when we got here. One of my friends who was here saying like, Oh, Columbus has like the greatest mall you'll ever see. And, <laughs> and so like, if you haven't been to the Easton outdoor mall, it's like, you got to go walk around Easton. Cause that's like, yeah. Uh, has lost shops. Every time w- w- I've been in two malls, not that mall, but I've been in two malls recently with my wife, one in the Columbus area, one somewhere else where we got, we got in and like, there were a couple empty stores and my wife was like, Oh God, this mall is dying. And it makes me mad. I have like a visceral reaction. I'm like, don't you say that about this mall. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear, right? When they're like, when you know that something might be negative, but you don't want to hear it. And it's like, I love mall culture so much that I don't want to hear about that malls might yeah. be dying. I All don't, I is. know. Yeah. I see the empty stores. I know they might be dying. And I don't mean to have this reaction. I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad at the situation because who wants to buy stuff online? You have to try it on. You have to That's walk right. around and look mm-hmm. at junk. How can you live online? You could go to a mall. I, I, I'm going to be. We have to keep malls alive. So go to go to the malls in Columbus. <laughs> it's, good,
1: it's good mall. It's it a good mall Polaris city. Polaris, Polaris, and Easton. Little total Mall action.
0: It's I great. love. It's why I live here.
1: I'll never leave. I'll never <laughs> leave. People are always
0: like, "Hey, why did why did that coach take that job?" It's like I would do that. Show Scott through the malls in Columbus. They don't have <laughs> malls like that in Waco. What are they we don't. talking about?
1: They have they have uh, Chip and Joanne in the silos, and that's it. And then the football stadium.
0: Tony Bennett, why did you take the Ohio State job? Columbus Mall Culture. Three words. I don't even know. Do they have malls in the South? I don't know if they do. That could be another thing we can lean into on KOTN. Mall Culture. Speaking of culture, this is uh, Jeff C. Jeff in Clintonville. I've enjoyed your breakdown of rosters and roster building in the current era of college football. The big missing component in assessing total performance, however, is coaching slash cultural assessment. I think Michigan's talent in 2023 might've been an eight, but the coaching and the culture was maybe a nine. So however good a program is at roster building, it will fall short of potential without strong coaching and culture. Using a 10 point scale for each, where was Ohio State's coaching and culture in 23? And what is your prediction- for Ohio State's football culture in 2024, so hmm. I do. Th- I think it's fair to put a slash between coaching and culture. They certainly are related. They're not the same thing. Uh, first of all, from the Michigan perspective, I think a lot of people have said this. I don't disagree with anything there, right? I mean, I do think
1: Michigan. Uh, the talent, only thing I would disagree with is I would put it at a ten and not a nine.
0: Yeah, the the talent was very good, and we're going to keep pounding that. Yeah. In in until people if don't doubt it anymore. Michigan had very good talent, but the coaching and culture got them over the top. And when you see again that like the you know Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter and Sharon Moore and Josh Gaddis was good there for a year, and what Harbaugh has done, and like like a lot of the guys there. Um, It was very good coaching and just, we're not going to pretend that we were around it every day, but it sure felt like they were all pulling in the same direction. Mm -hmm. So let's apply it to Ohio state. Have you ever felt like that there is, is a disconnect at all or that it's just maybe, even if it's not negative, that it's not quite at the 10 out of 10 that you would give Michigan's culture. What did you think Ohio state was last year? What do you expect it to be now?
1: Yeah. I've definitely felt at times that it wasn't a 10 out of 10. Like I I don't think I've ever thought that it was, Bad, necessary. I, 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 didn't think it was great in twenty twenty one. I thought, I thought twenty twenty one Ohio State was a team that you could like kind of punch in the mouth and they would back off. Um, I don't know that I felt that as much last year. Like I know that they, they lost to Michigan, but that was at or, or in twenty three. Yeah, this past season. Um, I know they still lost to Michigan, but it, but it felt different. Like the dynamic in that game, I think, was different than twenty two and then different in twenty twenty one. Um, but I also think part of that is youth too. Like they are a pretty young team in twenty twenty one. Um, so I think you can attribute some of it to that. And I guess like last year, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I would probably put it at like an eight, um, in terms of like, like guys, I think the, like the way you put it, like guys kind of pulling in the same direction. Um, they had some talent deficiencies at that positions. I think that was their biggest issue more so than, than the culture piece of it. But I think it has an opportunity to be a 10 this year because of all the guys that have come back. They're just going to be like a very old veteran team. And I, I don't know that you can be a 10 without that. Um, And Michigan was that like, in addition to being very talented, they were old. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it just helps you cultivate that. So I I think Ohio state, I don't, I don't know this, I guess I'll have to see the experience chart. It it might work out that Ohio state is not among like the 15 or 20 oldest, most experienced teams in college football. But I think for an Ohio state team, it will be on the high end of, of experience um, and age. Yeah. So I, th- I think that that could very well get them to a 10. So I would, I would, I would predict it being like at worst a nine, but I think there's a shot for them to be a 10. So there, I was trying to remember that there was a, something that Ryan Day said Wednesday morning. I was like,
0: what was the phrase that stuck out to me? And he mentioned the phrase unfinished business. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing I think a lot of times if you do it right, failure leads to this. Yep. Right. And so as successful as Michigan was, a lot of it was they blew their semifinal game a year ago those guys stayed they came back with a goal and they kind of rallied around each other to achieve that so Ohio State has that in spades right I mean they didn't they didn't make the playoff this year they've lost to Michigan three straight times guys stayed for a reason again that's not enough I'm gonna mention you know the 2008 season as not ad nauseum as we talk about this because 2008 guys were great leaders they were great players and they didn't have enough and they got Beanie Wells was hurt and they got their doors blown off by USC 35 to three. And it didn't matter what their culture was like. They couldn't stop Mark Sanchez. So you have to have enough talent. It certainly feels like Ohio state has that talent. I don't, we have not loved the toughness conversation that Ryan day more often than not is the one who starts that conversation Mm -hmm. because he, we feel like, is it fair to say we feel like he too often ties the toughness conversation to running the ball? Yeah. To like, yeah, you know, like pushing people around. Yeah. I think he actually means culture. Yeah. Right. Like, like that's resiliency, like resilience yeah. and attitude. And right. That like you're not going to be stopped. It's not about do you have to run between the tackles on fourth and one. But it's about like the determination that you're not going to be stopped. And that if you are stopped, the resilience that you're not going to be stopped the next time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, like, I do think, I I actually think that the, maybe it's just a word, but I think like the use of the word toughness has maybe gotten them off track on their culture conversation at times. Cause it's not really about the plays you call, it's about the way you approach it. And you want to be tough in your approach, but you can be tough in your approach and throw it to a mecca book on fourth and two, right? Yeah, Can't well, you?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely.
0: I don't think. Would you agree with this? Ohio State does not have a culture problem. Ohio State's football culture was not as good as Michigan's in 2023.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think that is true of the last three years. Yeah.
0: Okay. That, that that would be a place where Michigan had an edge mm-hmm. and uh maybe they had a maybe they stole the sign for culture maybe that help
1: <laughs> whatever that was counter Salian stole that one first yeah
0: a couple more ooh this one i I just like throwing this out I'd love when people ask questions like this this is Alex D who wins the natty this year love it who wins uh. the natty this year Because you and I did on KOTN, and I would direct anybody to that episode. We did our 12 team playoff brackets, but we didn't pick it. We didn't pick who's going to win. We just imagined how the season will play out to create that 12 team bracket.
1: So then, who do we think is
0: going to win it? And this is first blush off the top of your head. I did no research. I don't know kind of answer.
1: I think Ohio State's going to win.
0: Yeah. I mean, how could. I do, like I, I I'm not out on Georgia, but I was a I was a Georgia doubter like all of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they, they had some nice wins at the end of the regular season. And then they ran up against Alabama and they did. And, and I know Carson Beck is back. But again, like we've covered a lot of this stuff on Kings of the North. When you just talk about the quarterbacks who are back and the programs that have a lot back and the changes, there are so many. You know, There's people moving coordinators in and out and quarterbacks in and out. And when you think about the talent that Ohio State has returning and then what they added in the portal, I did find it interesting. Ryan Day kind of went out of his way on Wednesday morning to tamp down anything about them becoming a portal team. He basically said we took as many guys in the portal this year as we did last year. We are still filling needs. And, hey, we got three Bama guys because Nick Saban retired. What are you Mm going to do? But did you find it interesting at all that like, he didn't want to crow about their great portal additions? He wanted to, as you said previously, he wanted to emphasize the number one thing is the guys they kept. And then he tried to say, hey, this is what we've always done in the portal, even though if the numbers are the same, certainly I feel like the impact is greater right now.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that he did that. And I actually, I think I agree with him. I think I think Ohio State has been a little mischaracterized this offseason as being um, – more portal centric than it has been previously. I actually, I don't. I don't really think they have been at all.
0: Caleb Downs is such a splash. Quinshawn Judkins is such a splash, and a quarterback is such a splash that like you, you, you understand why the perception is that way. But like he basically characterized Quinshawn Judkins as like a Chip trainer replacement.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. I don't know that maybe I agree with that one. If there's anything, I think there's any addition. That they made aside from the Alabama guys, that gets closer to luxury. It's probably Quinn Judkins. Yeah, because
0: yeah. basically he's like, if McCord and Trainum were still here, we wouldn't have Howard and Judkins, and then Alabama blew up and three guys fell out of the sky. So that's it. Yeah, like what else is there? And they got a Mac tight end. You know what I mean? Like it's right. he, he certainly does not couch it as like some kind of seismic shift in their approach. Um, we've talked about it a lot. the the idea that like Georgia and Ohio state are going to be the top two teams in the preseason poll, the way it starts right now. And if we're having that conversation, I certainly would lean Ohio state compared to Georgia right now, because again, like Georgia, just like, you know, Georgia lost like a lot of the guys who kind of make them go, you know, like Brock Bowers is a game changer and lad McConkey's is like blowing up at the senior bowl and stuff like they, I, I,
1: they you got know? a few defensive starters I think to, to fill in too, if I'm not mistaken. I think their is in pretty
0: good shape, but like they really yeah. wanted Caleb Downs, you know? So like mm-hmm. I I I think Ohio State probably has a, a higher talent level among their starters than Georgia and fewer holes right now. So if that's the conversation, and if you want to go off the board, and again, like spring football, I'm super excited for a year ago, I came out of spring football, all fired up about Florida State, right? So like, maybe there will be teams that are like, holy moly. But like, yeah. if you're doing it right now, I think your two choices are Georgia and Ohio State. And we're picking Ohio State last yeah. rapid fire. This is Alvin. Looking forward, do we see a drop-off for the 2025-26 season given the number of players staying and the Will Howard one-year project? Like, this idea, he's asking, like, will we see, like, more of, like, other guys leave because they didn't get playing time this year? There's, like, a reaction to everything. Could everybody staying for 24 actually lead to an an even bigger drop-off in 25? Or is it not even worth thinking about because it's a year-to-year sport now?
1: Uh. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe what you just said is it might be the right way of thinking. I, I I don't know. I don't I don't. I guess it'll be interesting coming out of spring, like what happens. But I don't I don't know that I'm anticipating like a like an exodus from the roster because of all these guys that that came back and like certainly from a number standpoint, Ohio State doesn't need one. I think they're fine on on scholarship numbers. Um, I think there will be a drop off in 25 just because they're going to lose a lot of guys um, from their starting lineup, but. I went through like quickly and tried to think about like, okay, who could have returned to 25? It's like most of your receivers. Um, you are going to be revamped at running back. You're going to be revamped at quarterback. Um,
0: but revamped with like a five-star sophomore who might be. Yeah, running, like, game right. Game, right, exactly.
1: Nolan or Julian saying uh, Yeah, exactly. So I don't, like, it's not, I don't think they're going to be bad at quarterback. Offensive line, you could have three or four new starters there. Like that's a thing. But in it could de- be it could be better. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, like The defense will have a, a makeover of sorts, but like you're still going to have Sonny Styles. You're still going to have Caleb Downs. You're still going to have Jermaine Matthews. Um, so like there's not there. There are dudes coming back in 2025 that I don't think these, it's going to be these
0: like, stinking corners that Tim Walton's bringing in who might play right yeah. away.
1: So like a step back perhaps like a I I drop off almost feels like too, too strong of a word for me. I guess the other part of it too, is the schedule. If you want to like get real into the nitty gritty of it, like their schedule, there's like six games on the 2025 schedule that I think Ohio state needs to be on alert for. Um, they have what I haven't written down here. They have uh, home games against Texas, Penn state and UCLA and road games against Michigan, Washington and Wisconsin. So like, that's not a tough or that's not an easy schedule. But like, I don't, I don't think that like Ohio State is in a national championship window here, and then is like pressing the reset button after this season. I think there's enough talent on hand that they can sustain after this year.
0: Yeah, like your starting receivers in 25 are still going to be Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, and Jeremiah Smith, right? Yeah, and yeah. and you're get it's going to be San or Nolan at quarterback and i like i think an interesting conversation again like a lot the secondary is still going to be good because like calvin simpson hunt and jermaine matthews gonna be ready to go the two guys that i'm most curious about for 2025 that i think alvin might be thinking about in a question like this are like kenyatta jackson and Kaden curry yeah who are going to be third year defensive ends in 2024 still blocked by jack sawyer j 2 and marlo wow and do they stay do they develop like they're if they're first-year starters as fourth-year players in 2025, like what is that? That's mm-hmm. a really tough spot to be in. And I do think recent history shows us the 2017 recruiting class for Ohio State like, did end up popping. But the 2018 recruiting class that was ranked just as high, they were both number two in the country, the 2018 class never really developed in part because they were blocked by the 2017 class.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a legitimate concern. I think, like especially on the defensive line, you, you could be having like a pretty hard reset on the defensive line in twenty twenty five. In fact, I, yeah. I, I think you will. E- e- even if Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry stick around, it's just like really inexperienced, um, even if it's talented. So, I get if that. If the concern is like, man, our offense or defensive line can kind of blow up on us. Like, I get that.
0: But then, like uh, you know, Jason Moore and Edric Houston just have to be ready to roll and tear people apart, right? Yeah, Caden so
1: McDonald and. Um you're gonna need more at end, I think. They're gonna have to portal for some defensive end help, I think.
0: But that's the other thing too, that 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 there's no holes anymore because the portal fills your holes. That's right. So uh, all right. When we come back, time for some food, time for some viewing, time for some thinking. It's what you're watching, what you're eating, what you're thinking on Kings of Columbus. All right, time for what you're watching, what you're eating, what you're thinking, Landis. I take notes now. Whenever something pops in my head, I put it in the notes app on my phone, so I have something to talk about when That's we get to this I segment. You really should do it. Yeah. Um, we'll see how, like the thumb, the things that I come up with. Like, is really he put that in his notes app? What you're
1: watching, Landis? Um, I, I have more of like a, what I'm listening to for this, but I I, I do want to mention. Um, did you watch the Grammys the, over the weekend? You Grammys? Um,
0: Are you a Grammy's guy? I am not a Grammy's guy. I did have it on for the
1: duet. Okay. Yeah. So like that was awesome, right? Yeah. Like that and I was happy that it, so it was Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman singing Fast Car. Um and like I had felt I had I've, i I like Luke Combs as like a country artist. i I like a lot of people have had like mixed feelings about him charting with a song that he didn't write that is like semi-autobiographical, like like pretty raw emotionally. Um, or maybe not even semi-autobiographical. Um, so like, I was really happy to see that like Tracy Chapman like came out and sang a song with him and was like featured more prominently than he was as he was getting recognized, um, for, for singing that song. It made me feel better about it. It was a really good, um, version. I felt like a rendition of, of that song that I've liked for quite some time. Um, but my listening thing is, uh, is a podcast that I, I, I used to listen to a lot and like got away from and like kind of got back into, as I've tried to, uh, what's the word d my podcast feed because like it's all hmm. sports stuff um and there is a podcast This is also music related it's called columbia house party which i think is a really good name remember columbia house like that yeah i see the through columbia house so it's called columbia house party and i originally got into it because they were like talking about a lot of albums that i liked in high school like you know like mid-aughts emo kind of bands like punk pop kind of bands but it's not just that like they've done episodes on like like No Doubt and The Killers and The Cure um, and a bunch of other bands like kind of like span multiple decades. And they just like go really in depth on like one, the history of the bands, which is cool, but, but mostly like how that album came to be the process of hmm. recording it. Um, and then like how that album kind of like stood the test of time and like its place in popular culture. And it's really interesting. Like I don't, I don't listen to every episode because not every album they do was one that I'm familiar with or bands that I necessarily like. Um, but I think there's a, there's a decent enough mix of genre there that I think if people checked it out, they would find something that they would enjoy, even if it's just like a couple of episodes of, of what they've done. And it's evergreen too. Like you can listen to it whenever you want. It's not really tied, um, to anything. So, um, it's a good podcast that I would recommend to people if they're looking for something that's a little different from like an Ohio State podcast yeah. or like a news of the day podcast kind of thing. It's, it's kind of a cool thing to, to drop in on every now and then.
0: What's the name of it again?
1: Columbia House Party. Columbia House Party. I like process
0: stuff. So yeah. I'm always interested in like how the music or the TV show was made. So like uh, that sounds good. It's cool. My thing is about frantic munching. So, you, what's the thing you do where you keep a list of strip club names?
1: I do have a list of strip club names in my phone. Yes.
0: So, I like watching TV on closed caption. I think we've talked about this. And my favorite part, because I, I can't hear anything, so, but my favorite part of closed caption is when it's describing the action that's not, they're not just saying the words of the action. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I'm trying to keep a list of weird things that the closed captioning, said, like writes out to describe what is happening on the show. And the two that I've written down so far are frantic munching and indistinct chatter and 1000%, no doubt about it. If I ever started a band, it would be indistinct chatter. Oh, that's I, a great name. Yeah. And like indistinct chatter is practically every show has indistinct chatter. Cause like you walk in, the character walks into the bar and there's background noise and the, the closed captioning says indistinct chatter, frantic munching. You don't come across quite as often. But I would like to keep this list running, so I'll just keep people updated. And it's like I can enjoy a show; I can make sure I don't miss any dialogue with the closed captioning. But I can also look for the interesting ways that it chooses to describe what's happening on the screen.
1: Yeah, I've added frantic munching to my list. Good. Um, should I explain that? Uh, I don't know. Can <laughs> not not the name? <laughs> not, no, not the not the name of the club, but the fact that why is that it I frantic? Then I have a list of strip club names in my phone. Um, yeah, it's probably just, should explain it. Yeah, yeah it's just like <laughs> a joke. It's similar, it's similar to what you just described. Like things I hear that are funny, like, oh, that'd be a funny strip club name. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: I write them down on my phone. And some of them are not funny at all and make absolutely no sense out of context. But can I give you my favorite one? Yeah. I don't okay. know.
0: You decide, can you?
1: Yeah, I can okay. I can give you I can give you this one. Um f- funnily enough, for some reason, a lot of these work better mm-hmm. as like uh, uh uh all male reviews, <laughs> if, if, okay. if you will. <laughs> Uh, but this one is, uh, it's post office themed and all the dancers dressed as postal workers and it's called certified mail, but it's spelled M A L E. And,
0: and, and you have seen these as names of establishments or the idea
1: just pops in your head. Both. Most of them, (laughs) most of them, most of them are ideas that pop into my head. I'm trying to think if there's another family, family friendly one. Um, that f- I could
0: a family uh, friendly strip club name to come up with? Uh, how
1: about how about uh how about uh a one it's in Pasadena, it's Rose Bowl Rose Bowl themed and it's okay. called Granddaddies.
0: Uh, <laughs> um Yeah. No, I think I you should ask. You should ask the Rose Bowl if you can license that name for uh, for the KO We'll have a KOTN live event at Granddaddy's. Yeah,
1: that's probably the uh, only. They're probably the only two that I can say on the show. As the sun sets over <laughs> the stripper pole. Uh, all right, what you eating? Uh, so I I actually had this for lunch today. So, um, but I I am not like a big like sushi eater and like the sense of like traditional sushi. I like, I like white people sushi, uh,
0: yeah. which
1: is like eating like spicy tuna and like imitation crab meat, but fusion also fusion in, in Columbus makes, they call it sushi. It's made with chicken. It's not sushi. Um, But they had like a, a teriyaki chicken roll, which was just like a, I guess it's like a cabbage wrap with rice and then teriyaki chicken in the middle. Yeah. And then like a little sauce to dip it in. Nice. Very good. It's very nice. I would would highly recommend it. It was pretty tasty.
0: My daughter has introduced me to the, it's like wonton nachos at Fusion. It's like you get sort of like all the Asian like toppings and vegetables and stuff with some, with a protein and then, but it's like eating nachos, but it's like, it's like wonton. That sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. it's really good. So, uh, so I've been having trouble with my bags of lettuce. Do you buy lettuce by the head or do you buy like a bag of salad? Like if you want to have a little side salad bag for sure. So we always tell this story. Like when my older daughter, I don't know when she was like four or something, we like had a head of lettuce for some reason. And she like pointed at it and said like, what's that? And we realized, oh my God, like she thinks lettuce grows in a bag. Like we've never had a head of lettuce in our house before. (laughs) And so we just, I just buy bags of lettuce. I don't ever buy a head of lettuce. And it goes bad in like a day. Like the other day I opened it, ate half the bag. And the next day for lunch, I went back to it and it was bad already. Mm. But like, when you go to Olive Garden, one of the best things about Olive Garden is like their lettuce is fantastic. And I'm just struggling with, I assume the answer is don't buy your lettuce pre shredded in a bag. You lazy ding dong. But I want, Wonderful. I want a wonderful at home lettuce experience, but I'm lazy and stupid and I'm struggling to try to find a way to do it because at the moment it really frustrates me when a bag of lettuce that's three days old is all brown and slimy.
1: Well, they have, don't they? They have like containers that are built to keep your vegetables fresher longer, right? Can you just can you just take one of those and like just dump your bag of lettuce in there instead of keeping it in the bag in the fridge? If I'm gonna dump it out
0: of the bag, shouldn't I just buy a head of lettuce and shred it myself? You lazy idiot! No, I don't think so. You're okay with bags of lettuce? That's okay. There's a lot of them at the store. I guess a lot of people buy them.
1: Yeah, it's just way more convenient.
0: I mean it's like four minutes more convenient. That's how long it takes you just like shred ahead of lettuce. That's fair. So okay. Maybe I'll get a I'll get a thing. But i I definitely will keep my eating every week will just be my
1: latest update on keeping my lettuce fresh. What are you thinking? Um I am annoyed by what I th- I think is a like new this year thing. Maybe it's happened last year. I can't I can't recall. Um companies like bombarding us with their previews for their Super Bowl commercials oh. like rolling them out like weeks or even months in advance like clearly pointing towards something bigger that they're gonna have during the Super Bowl and like I like a funny Super Bowl commercials as much as the next person it's one of the things I enjoy about sitting down on my Sunday and, and watching the Super Bowl like I, I, I I'm not uh, dismissing anyone who finds that enjoyable because I find that enjoyable myself but they're ruining it like I don't I don't I don't want to know four weeks in advance that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be in a State Farm commercial or that Geico right. is bringing the cavemen back. So I don't know. I don't know why they're doing that because they're. I I understand the spectacle of a Super Bowl commercial when you want to let people know that you're going to have one, but I don't know why you would like give the conceit weeks and months in advance and kind of ruin the surprise.
0: It is not building anticipation for you.
1: No, it's making me want to go take my dog for a walk during a commercial break oh. instead of sitting down on my couch and watching.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think they're just trying to get bang for the buck, right? Because they're costing yeah. gazillions of dollars to have it. Um, but yeah, there's one thing to appreciate a commercial in the moment. There's another to be like, oh, I'm so excited for this commercial. It's like you're never yeah. going to get it, <laughs> right, honey? <laughs> the cavemen are coming back. <laughs> is that is anyone's reaction to that? I don't think I, so. They did a TV show on the caveman on the cavemen from the Geico that that I watched. I I, I liked it. I Nick it. Kroll was on it. He was I one of the cavemen. cavemen for yeah. I love that show, and even I'm not that excited about them coming. I don't need a preview of it. I agree yeah. with you. So I think I've talked about this before that like my I I've, I've just given up on baseball. I don't follow it or whatever, and I officially uh, quit the two fantasy baseball leagues that I've been in for 28 years. I quit them this week, hmm. and so that is it for me as a fantasy baseball player. Again, like I tell story, like I drafted remember drafting Albert Pujols. Like when he was a rookie, like stuff like that, he's in the hall of fame. Like, I mean, it's just like, I'm I'm so old, but it is quite a thing. I've been, that's more than half my life I've yeah. been in the same fantasy baseball leagues. It's like with the people who I worked with at my first job out of college. Smitty is our commissioner. He's like the greatest commissioner in the history of fantasy sports. He's, he's the nicest stinking guy. And he just like made it so fun. And, um, I just can't name more than seven baseball players, and I'm just throwing <laughs> money down a hole. So I just said, I'm going to stop. But uh, it's quite a thing, man. There's not a whole lot of things in your life that you do for 28 years. No. So I was in a, an American League and a National League. It was like the most of the same group of people, same commissioner, same kind of thing. And I was in both. And you sign players to like... Multi- I had Mike Trout my team for like eight years because I signed him to a long-term contract
1: and stuff. And like, it yeah. just... But I'm out. So it's the longest relationship of your life, man. For real. (laughs) For real. Twenty-eight years is my max. So were they bummed? Were they bummed when you said you weren't doing it?
0: He said he was sad. Like the commissioner said he said he was sad. It's like I don't know a ton of the people in the league anymore. Um, it's all based in Indiana. So um But it's it's not
1: like the same you weren't like the first person to defect after twenty eight years, like this. No, okay
0: but like it's one of those things he's great at keeping records. So like on this site, it's like, I can go back and look at it. It's like, Oh, I've won four titles in 28 years. It's like, Oh, I remember my team in 2004. I was a great team that, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just super fun. So, um, and it's like partly cause I'm busy, but it's more cause like, I'm just, it is, it's like, it's sad. I'm just out on ball. I'm just out on baseball. Like I just, I just, it's not part of my life.
1: So I've always wanted you know. to be part of a, of like a long-term keeper baseball league. I've never, I have, I'll do one for football that I've done for, I think three years, I actually one of this year. Um, nice. but, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but I've always wanted to do a baseball one. Cause that's the sport that I still kind of like the most. Yeah. Um,
0: but I don't, I don't have like
1: any, no one of my group of friends is like interested in doing anything. Yeah. Related to baseball that's not involved.
0: Yeah. Let me know if you're starting one, maybe I'll get in. I don't know. Yeah. We'll um, probably not. I can't name baseball players anymore. Okay. That's it for this edition of Kings of Columbus. I have a plan for next week, which is Valentine's Day. So get ready for uh, a show that will talk about love Mm. and what it means, uh, what you love about being an Ohio State fan. We have another Kings of the North coming this week. We've already done one where we did the ultimate northern football schedule. Bill and I went through 14 weeks. We picked 15 games. Of course, Ohio State's in that mix. What's like the best game every week? The game that we would want to go to that represents Northern football that week. It's a great way to and get yourself geared up for the season, talk about the most important games. So I would direct you to that. And then we're going to do a, another KOT on this week where we talk about the best Northern players in the Super Bowl. And that will include a conversation about Chase Young and Nick Bosa. in, in addition to having some special guests on to talk about George Kittle, Isaiah Pacheco, and we'll have the numbers on like, guess what? As usual, more Northern stuff happening in football than people give credit for. So that will be on the Thursday, Kings of the North. For now, we want to say, say thanks to our great producer, Mikey Rostowski, who makes us look good and sound good. He's Bill Landis. I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Kings of Columbus.